Tonight we are talking boundaries with three lovely ladies who I'm joined by. I'm sure you already know Mel. I don't think you've probably met Jackie before, anybody that's watching. Hi, and Carolina, who has agreed, they've all agreed to talk to us about boundaries, which we're very, very grateful for. Uh, ladies, how were your boundaries a decade or two ago? Maybe that's a good place to start. Um, okay, let me start. Mine were pretty non-existent. I don't even think I knew what boundaries were or had ever heard of them, personally. Anybody no, I was far too busy trying to be nice to have a boundary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wild. <laughs> Being wild rather than nice. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah I agree. I hadn't, I hadn't really heard of boundaries. Um, I didn't know what they were. I wasn't really sure what my boundaries were, how to communicate them. Um, and yeah, it's been a bit of a journey, really. But now I'm really passionate about them. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a topic I really like discussing. Because what did we do without them? That's what I'm trying to get my head around. Like in a world where you didn't know what boundaries were, I don't know. I mean, I just wonder what used to happen to everybody with no boundaries. What were some of the repercussions? Well, I describe it as I either ended up in cul-de-sacs or hit by juggernauts. That was... <laughs> Yeah. Not a very vivid description. Yeah. Absolutely, I can relate to that. Goodness, <laughs> that was what happened without boundaries. It was yeah, being run over or being absolutely stuck and not knowing what to do. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, I think I for me it was the feeling of either constantly being taken advantage of or constantly resenting people for not getting back in return what I was giving mm. yeah mm. I uh, think it was I think for me it was um that this feeling of not really having a strategy of you know not really knowing if what was going to happen and if anyone was going to say something or do something and and kind of just having to hope that they wouldn't you know, and I'm thinking back to, for example, bullying at school now, where you would just hope that, you know, the kids wouldn't say something nasty or because then you're not really sure what to do. Mm. Yeah, I and think also, I, sorry, you just don't sorry, seem Lou. to ever have a voice, do you, with no boundaries? You can never implement a, a voice. You can never speak up for yourself. You can never say anything. You know, and as Jackie, you said, it's that please appease constantly, isn't it? Mm. Well, I think it's, you know, it's also, I forgot what I was going to say now, but I was going to say there's another layer of, oh, yeah, gaslighting yourself. Yeah. That's yes. that's what I would do. It was, I, I would be doubting myself or saying, oh, no, I must have misunderstood or I've got it wrong or I, should, I shouldn't feel that way. That's mm. really what it comes down. I shouldn't feel that way. Yeah. I'm too sensitive. Yeah. 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 Able to just shake it. Yeah. So yeah. for anybody that's tuning in, I suppose a good place to start after we've kind of said about the, the nightmare of not having had boundaries for all of us and how difficult it was is what what do we mean by boundaries and, and what are they? What are boundaries? We had an interesting chat, didn't we, before we started? Because there are so many different ways to describe boundaries aren't there yeah. um you know you can I, I mean Melanie you were saying about this weren't you do you want to share what you were um saying about how you describe boundaries yeah I mean I think for me it's boundaries are about knowing what it is that I need to protect myself from um and it's about deciding what I am and what I'm not responsible for yeah um, and it is about speaking my truth and holding the line. Mm. And I think that for me is kind of in a, in a bit of a nutshell, but it's also this journey of having been conditioned to, to ask the world for permission. You know, I need to 
know from other people that it is okay. I need to be validated. I need to be affirmed. I need to be liked. Um, I need to, to, to please. And therefore I'm going to ask permission for everything. So for me, it was a journey from the, the need to ask permission to the belief that it's okay to tell somebody what it is that I need or don't need or what is or is okay rather than asking for permission because I feel that I need to be validated or affirmed mm. yeah you can't take care of someone else's feelings when you're setting a boundary and really what you're I think is an act of intimacy I think a boundary is an act of intimacy because what you're saying is this is who I am and I want to share my values with you what's valuable to me and that means that I'm okay with some stuff and I'm not okay with others and and I think that's the crux of it but I like what you said as well Melanie about speaking my truth and holding the line because so often it can be about gaining that confidence to I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say it. And now why isn't the world bowing down to me because I've said my boundary? Yeah. And then, of course, it gets dismissed and minimized and critiqued. And, you and know. I think that I think people find that really difficult. And I think when we get to the bit about, you know, setting boundaries and how to hold boundaries later on, I think, you know, coming up with some ideas about how to do that, because you're, you're right, both of you, it's really, really difficult. But, but boundaries for me are about protection and containment, you know, protecting the self and containing oneself and what comes yeah. in and goes out of that boundary. And I, I know, you know, at the Priory, we used to describe them as kind of either walls or nice picket fences or things that you could see over or things that you kind of hid behind. And I think a boundary is a limit or an edge or something that kind of says, here's where I start and finish. And here's where you begin and end. Mm. And I'm not gonna kind of own your stuff or take over responsibility for that, but nor do you have to for mine either. So that's how I see it. Carolina, what, what about you? What are boundaries for you? Well, I think it's, um, it's some kind of feeling that you can kind of tune into when something happens. And mm. it can just be a feeling of, I don't like it. I don't want it. Or it doesn't feel comfortable. So for me, I think identifying boundaries it, it's very much thinking about what's what's okay for me and what's not okay okay so yeah it's that issue of you know what's mine how does it make me feel you know what what's the feeling within me that's my own kind of recognition of a boundary might be being violated or or not I guess yeah. and I think I, I think, sorry, um, acknowledge a, a comment that's come in here from Annabelle, um, who says, my experience of speaking up my boundary is sadly very negative and painful. Mm. And I think, mm. you know, Annabelle, I can certainly relate to that on, on a lot of levels. And, and that's something that I think we will definitely come to later. Um, yeah. So um, hopefully you'll be able to stick around for a bit, Annabelle, and and hear a bit more about our experience um on that but but we we hear you we hear you mm, on that yeah and also it's kind of the point because if if we didn't need to set the boundary we wouldn't get that kind of response yeah. <laughs> so, and also I wanted to come back to Carolina's point because what you were saying about that innate sense and if you think about when we're babies and as babies we might turn our head when we don't want to eat anymore or we don't want the attention of that person and how that gets educated out of us of like you know have another mouthful you know go and hug your auntie or like it happens from a really early age doesn't it of that people pleasing don't speak up in order to try and fit into some other kind of social construct that's going on. So we're already adapting our boundaries really from quite early on. Mm. So what, what do you think are the, are the different types of boundaries? Because we said what are boundaries, but, but what are the different types of boundaries? I mean, so, I, I think if we break, if we break them down, um, you know, kind of, easily um, into categories that, that would be easily understood. I think for me, there's, there's a physical, there's physical, emotional, spiritual, yeah. sexual, 
Yeah. Um, but I know that, yeah. that Carolina, you you mentioned something earlier that really resonated with me uh, that I hadn't kind of thought to articulate. Time. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I and that. yeah, and I think that's so important where where we might might overstretch ourselves. And I think. In fact, when I think about it now, I'm thinking this could also come in, at, for example, in work situations where, because boundaries may not just be person to person, it could be actually in your organization where you take on too much work or, you know, you overgive of your time. Yeah. And mm. it means you have no time left for yourself to kind of have time for your own self-care and, and your own rests and, and recuperation. And, and um, I kind of think that there's, I, I put that in relational boundaries, which I kind of think slightly differently, maybe to emotional boundaries in that the most difficult uh, thing for a codependent in recovery is actually to, to not people please and to be able to say no. So that comes up in time, it comes up in relationships, mm. it comes up in all manner of ways, doesn't it? That people pleasing. <laughs> Yeah, it comes up in relationship with yourself, especially as well. It doesn't actually have to be relationship with others. It can be, you know, in relationship with yourself as well. Yeah. So there's internal boundaries then and external mm. boundaries. Absolutely. Mm. And I think really, I just wanted to go just back a little bit to Jackie, what you said about how, you know, as we as children, we're already being conditioned out of those boundaries so you know we're, we're saying no to food and we're being told to eat more we're being told to maybe hug relatives that, that we don't want to all of that kind of stuff and and this is what I say is that we are conditioned from such a young age mm. to stop trusting what we know to be true mm. you know we are we are being disconnected from our authentic selves through trauma at such a young age that no wonder when we go into adulthood setting boundaries becomes just impossible because we don't know what we trust. And this is what I say to my clients, which is when they say to me, but how do I even know when to set a boundary? And again, coming back to what Carolina was saying is when something's not sitting right, mm. when someone does something or says something or you read something and you get that feeling, trust that. That is something telling you that a boundary is being crossed and you need to put one in place. Okay, so that's a brilliant point. And we've gone on to kind of question three that I had for you. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I love the way that you did a great segue there. <laughs> why might we find setting boundaries difficult? Because you're so right, all of you. We adapt, we smile, we don't take our feelings to people, we don't show our real self as children because that's all got to be hidden. And, behind, you know, most of my clients today, I've had a client day today, you know, most of them are saying they couldn't be their real selves as kids mm -hmm. and take their real emotions and their they had to put a happy face on it and smile. So we're losing all of that authentic stuff. So how do we begin even <laughs> to start saying this is what's happening for me or this is my internal sense or or this doesn't feel quite right. How we, do we ever start we, to do that? We start really imperfectly and really messily. That's yeah. how we start. Yes, Jackie, we do. <laughs> and each time we set one, we learn from it. Yeah. And we learn a bit more of how that made us feel and what the response was to the other person. Yeah, and I think tied to, tied to that and also what um, Melanie just said about how we get conditioned out of our boundaries. Um, I think then when we want to set boundaries in adulthood, quite often that is with those people that conditioned us out of mm. our boundaries. So I think that's why it can be so difficult because of course then when we're going to start changing something and put a boundary in, there's going to be a great resistance in those particular people such as our original family because it was really convenient for them when you know we didn't have boundaries and now we're going to try and communicate them and mm. uh, and that brings up so much in in actually the whole family system i think because yeah. they have all have each place your own place in a way mm. if i was to offer some really practical advice as well i think 
it'd be two things. One, a boundary doesn't have to be followed up by an explanation. You don't have to explain why we're setting that boundary. And you, you know, you can write a script. I have written scripts before, gotten on the phone, said what I needed to say. And, and re the repetition, almost like a mantra. It's like, well, I, this is, this is the, you know, this is what I'm willing to share about this and what I want to say about it. And I'm just going to keep on repeating that and not get into the argument as to why I've set that up or, you know, the well, impact we're, we're, it's having on other people. It's interesting because when we used to do the family program, um, you know, when I was in rehab, uh, we would sit two chairs opposite one another and we would give people the script and the family member who was listening to what the client said and then we had to do it back the other way is you're not allowed to speak you cannot say anything you can't rebuke you can't comment you're not even allowed to give a dirty look or raise your eyebrows all of that mm -hmm. is an absolute no-no and you have to listen to the person saying when you blah 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 behavior i feel or i felt x mm -hmm. so i would rather if this happened and that's it that's yeah. it there's no negotiation of that mm. and we were really bloody tough about it because it's awful just starting to speak out <gasps> When you, uh, I fell, and people are terrified often. Mm. You've got their mothers mm. or their brothers or their uncles, whoever it is in front of them that represents somebody that they can't put a boundary in. And what, you're asking me to do it? It's really mm. hard, isn't it? It's really hard. And that's why I say about it being messy and imperfect, because I don't think you can underestimate just how tricky it is, because if it was easy, you'd have done it. Yes. Or if it was mm. easy, you wouldn't have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. I, I'd just like to say for me that it's, it's difficult to sometimes explain how to do this to people, but it was like I made a decision. I made a decision that I was going to start taking care of myself. I made a decision that I was no longer going to disappoint or abandon myself. To, to please others and that upsetting or disappointing other people was going to have to happen so that I could feed myself so that I could keep my tank full and so that actually I could give to the world in the way that I wanted to not in the way that I've been conditioned to mm. yeah and I, I think that's lovely I think that's lovely I think a lot of people um maybe listening or certainly that I know feel that they've got to get their not okay child or their mm. inner child to a place of not being so terrified or maybe behind them so that they can find that strength in the adult to be able to put themselves first or put in a boundary because actually for, for some people that I work with it, it, even putting yourself first feels well, I know for so many codependents as well, it feels so narcissistic even. But I think there has to be an element in that of fake it till you make it though, because I think, you know, it's otherwise you're waiting to be in adult and that's not how it how it goes. The, the, the growth happens through trying, you know, it's two steps forward and one step back, you know, I yeah. think that's, that's part of the, the learning process. Because again, if you think about, well, when did we learn to not have boundaries from such a young age? That's like you're saying, Lou, that inner child part of us, that emotional part of us is still at that age, but it's only gonna grow through trying stuff out and, and looking around and realizing actually, no, today I am safe. Today I am managing to well, handle this. Maybe then I mean, it's more about picking the people that you start to put the boundaries in yes. first with that they're yeah. a little bit safer than you're going to your father who is abusive or whoever else immediately and trying to have a voice with somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I think my boundary setting became, well, I think before I did the inner child work, before I did the trauma workshops, the peer melody work, all of that stuff, before I worked on my codependency, I wouldn't have had a chance in hell of being able to set a boundary. I needed to do that inner child work first to have that 
to have that ability to care for myself from my adult self. Yeah. And I absolutely say that from a trauma-informed place for me, and I can't speak for everybody, but the inner child work had to happen first. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think part of that growth when you're saying about setting boundaries and, and that inner child work absolutely happens in therapy. You know, experiential role play is excellent for this and trying it out and seeing how you feel as a result of doing that yeah it's got to you're right it's got to be in a contained safe place to start off with and whether that's with safer people that you start setting some boundaries Mm -hmm. with or whether it's in a therapeutic environment or even if it's in the trauma thrivers group you know because Mm -hmm. you know most of us please god that i know anyway in our group are very trauma informed and it is a safe place and if anybody were unbounded in there you know, Mel or I would be able to, you know, come in. So I want people to use the group in a way to try and have those voices and to try and speak up for what they need or what they want. That It's practicing around safe people, isn't it? And safe others. Can um, I also what think, do you think? Uh, well, I was thinking about um, um, what, well, what we've all been talking about just now for a little while about how to kind of just get started and just make that decision and and in that context I was thinking about how I think it can be important to acknowledge all the fears that that come up because and those are the kind of old fears I think from childhood that and and I think just having an awareness of that can help because that kind of confirms what the kind of mammoth task it is Mm. so there's a fear of rejection there's a fear of disapproval there's the fear that someone's going to get angry or um, there's the fear of abandonment. And and when you start thinking about, you know, those incredible fears that are connected to just that little first step of setting a boundary, no wonder it's so difficult, you know, because it just brings up every kind of worst fear that we could have if if we were, if we did suffer early relational trauma, in fact. Mm. Mm. Um, and it's going to bring up grief as well because a lot of those fears do get realized one way or another and as you grow you might be grateful for the fact that certain relationships have ended but as you're going through it the grief of that loss of hope that maybe if I try it this way it's going to be different and then actually no I'll set this boundary and that means that the relationship can can change in a way that you don't want it to change yeah yeah, that's so true too, isn't it? Because we don't know if somebody's going to accept that boundary or mm. if they're going to walk away. Yeah, and, and the question, am I creating conflict? You know, I think as trauma survivors, we've a lot of us have probably spent so much of our lives trying to avoid conflict mm. and getting started on this journey of setting boundaries as like... <gasps> you know, it's going to create conflict. And, and that's, you know, that is a, I mean, even thinking about it sometimes still yeah. creates trauma response in me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was terrified of anger, you know, for years. I couldn't ever think about making, or, you know, putting in a boundary in case I made that other person angry because I actually couldn't sit with somebody's anger. Mm. You know, thank God a few years of group therapy sorted me out quite well, you know. <laughs> having to be the therapist and everybody else was angry but it's really hard to yeah say no sometimes when you know that that's what it's going to elicit Mm. you know really really difficult so how, how, how do we how do we deal with the fallout or what tends to happen even when we first start putting in boundaries what are the repercussions I think the first thing that that springs to mind is that at least what happened for me when I started was there'll be fallout and then I backtrack and then I gaslight myself and say, well, you know, maybe I went too far and mm-hmm. maybe maybe I was unreasonable. And uh, so, so it, I think it's definitely a case of trial and error initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think your reasons for setting the boundary can get minimized. I think you can, I've been accused of being cruel, um, mad, uh, brainwashed. Selfish, <laughs> I think it's a big one. 
yeah. yeah. So you do get a lot that comes your way. Yeah. I think for me, it's about, I go back to, you know, this, this knowing, knowing that I am right, knowing what my truth is. And, and I almost have um, this visual of me as a tree. You know, I am going to stay firm. I am going to stay rooted. I am going to stay grounded in this because I am not going to be told any longer that I don't know my, my truth. I'm not going to let other people dictate to me what my truth is, no matter what happens. And I say this to, to people all the time, you know, you bet your ass <laughs> there is going to be some uncomfortable stuff that goes on when you start setting boundaries. Because what I have to remember is that I am breaking years of destructive behaviors, of years of unhealthy patterns and systems within my family you know and if we look at things like racism and homophobia you know they are big parts of my boundaries now they are things I will not allow into my life we are breaking patterns of years of, of systemic mm. stuff that has been happening so yes people are going to get uncomfortable around this stuff but I am not going to let you tell me what I know my truth is anymore um and I hear you and what comes up for me, thanks Mel, when you, when you say all of that is that, you know, boundaries and, and setting boundaries for me is the kind of ultimate in self-care. And for years, you know, whether you're in addiction or, or self-harm or you're medicating your trauma in some way, there are no boundaries because there's so much of punishment that happens with the self. You know, so when we start to put in mm. self-care boundaries and we start to take care of ourselves and stop punishing ourselves and really looking after ourselves, boundaries with others has to be a massive part of that jigsaw. Because if we're not going to treat ourselves badly anymore or punish ourselves or have that internal dialogue of self-hate and loathing, how dare we let somebody else do it to us? Because mm -hmm. like, I, I'm the only one that's going to criticize and have a go at myself. I don't want you doing it as well. So it's an ultimate kind of act of self-care as well, isn't it? Absolutely. And that growth of self. And if you think about, you know, with family of origin and setting boundaries with family of origin and how attachment trumps trauma. So even when you're trying to set a boundary because of developmental trauma, the attachment that you have with that person is still gonna make it so painful. And it is only through the growth of yourself and the care for yourself that's really gonna make that possible because you value yourself so much that you know, you're not willing to give that self up for anyone or anything. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a narcissistic way. That's not to the cost of others, it's just not to the cost of yourself. <laughs> that's a really good point though because how do we deal I mean it's interesting isn't it that we're talking about not in a narcissistic way because actually how do we deal with narcissists or how do we deal with people that continually push 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 our boundaries well ugh. <laughs> I guess I feel about that really because it, yeah. I mean, look it's a given, um, you know, if you think, I mean, Brené Brown talks about boundaries, doesn't she, and how it's an act of compassion. And if you're trying to set with some, a boundary with someone who cannot be compassionate, who cannot be empathic, then that's really when the wall is gonna come up. I mean, I've had this in my life where I've, I've tried different uh, boundaries and, and then it's actually got to a point where really, it's just no, it's no communication. I've, you know, it's become no communication. Yeah. And I don't think it's going from naught to 90. It's not going there immediately. You know, it's, it's negotiating and trying to see if they're willing to accept what you have to say. But when it's very evident that that's not the case, you, again, you have to take care of yourself and that can mean no contact. Yeah. yeah. And I think as a kind of strategy, if it's impossible to, to go no contact, I think if, if you have a, a relation ship of any kind family mm. member or ex-partner perhaps and 
especially with narcissistic individuals, you will know that there's a bit of a pattern. And I think what can help there is to, in fact, have a bit of a plan of action, a bit of a strategy. The next time that, you know, I don't know, your mother or whoever it is says X, you have a prepared, you know, answer. Mm. This is what I'm going to say. And I'm not going to then get drawn into a kind of lengthy conversation where I'm going to end up being made wrong. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. There's, there's yeah, something called grey rocking. Grey yeah. rocking as well, when yeah. you just become like a grey rock and just, yeah. you know. I have to say, I, I, I just from personal experience, I had to have a very staged boundary setting with my brother who was one of the one, he sexually abused me when I was younger. And so I, I, what I felt was setting boundaries with the person that I had the strongest trauma bond with was the most difficult person. And I had this very staged journey to mm. set it, to, to get to the point of no contact because for me to just to have to have set that boundary straight off was too painful mm. to do it and and the what was associated with it in terms of how it would affect the rest of my family the the retaliation that I would get the the feelings that you know my my go-to as a sexual abuse survivor is guilt so I knew mm -hmm. if I cut him off straight away I wouldn't be able to live with, you know, the, the feelings of guilt that I had would be so overwhelming that I wouldn't be able to maintain the boundary. So I had this very, very staged boundary setting process with my brother. Um, and Melanie, was that planned or was that in hindsight you realised it was a stage process? I would say it was part, part and part. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of, in my mind, knew that I probably needed to get to the point where I had absolutely no contact with him. Um, but I think to keep me okay with that, the, the conscious process was, I'll try this first. And mm -hmm. if this doesn't work, then I'll go to the next stage. But if it does work, then maybe we can stay at this level yeah. of contact. So it was, it was probably a sort of a 50-50 a there, Jackie, I would say. Mm. 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 And also I'm thinking in, in settings such as work situations, if, you know, if there is a person at work who frequently violates a particular boundary, again, to have a, a kind of planned answer or a planned kind of strategy there, I think that can really help. Mm. Well, it's about learning how to speak up as well, isn't it? You know, going back to the, the point earlier, you know, if somebody oversteps our boundaries or at work or oversteps our physical boundaries or our, you know, any of our boundaries, it's about how do we find the voice to say no? Mm. You know, how, how do we find that courage to speak up just to start to say energetically no? You know, and, and I wonder if if there were some things that you used in terms of, you know, cutting, connecting cords with people. We used to get people to imagine scissors, you know, chopping round their energy fields to kind of get them out or perspex screens or, you know, seeing somebody and almost putting a wall up and imagining a wall up if they were an unsafe person. I just wondered if any of you had any strategies that you use to kind of go, you can come closer because you're loving and kind and compassionate and safe, but actually I'd rather you stayed on the other side of and I'm going to build my picket fence up. I, I would say I call, on, I call on my army. And this is probably perhaps not... Um, the most conventional of ways to do it and maybe slightly controversial but you know I like a bit of controversy Lou. Um, love I, have, I have an army I have people around me I know I can go to that will give me the power I need to continue to stand firm 
in that boundary that will mm -hmm. affirm me that will be behind me going yes Mel this is what you need to do if you don't do this this is what is going to happen I call on my army um, and I and I, I surround myself with them and lovely. that's what I do lovely yeah I think that's a really good point you know it's like that saying it takes a village to raise a child it takes a village to raise an inner child right <laughs> <laughs> Love that. city for me <laughs> <laughs> a continent <laughs> yeah, yeah and I think also in um you know in, in my client work you know so quite often we will practice practice saying no and um and to kind of to feel into the the energy behind that because mm. I think when we come from a very kind of kind of timid place in fact where we're scared to say no there's a kind of we say no from this kind of you know timid submissive place and um and then when we want to be really firm it can almost sound aggressive yeah because we we can't quite gauge you know how much energy do i put in and then we might kind of go over the top first before we yeah. find that kind of calm assertive way that's, that's really what? true. And I, I think we go over the top in not only setting boundaries, but sometimes I think we can be a, a, a bit rigid to start with as well. Yes. So as we, we've had no boundaries and then all of a sudden it's like they're really, really firm with everybody over everything. So we can go a little bit that way as well. Yeah, I think I think you can sort of shift your mindset. So I think when they're rigid, it's sort of like this idea of you're fighting against stuff. I'm fight, I'm against this and resisting. Yeah. Whereas you can change the sort of mindset to what what am I fighting for, which is more sort of approaching type thing that I'm more sort of um, galvanizing, if you like. Well, what what you know, what safety do I want to fight for, and how do I make that happen? And I think that can help shift yes. things a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that when we talked about um, self-care before, because it's almost like certain things, you know, what do I want to keep out and what do I want to bring in? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that ability to receive rather than give. I think that, you know, I, I, I don't want to label codependency, but I think, you know, codependents do find boundaries particularly difficult in my experience because, you know, most of them us have spent our whole lives appeasing, you know, and not saying no and, and not being able to set limits. And if you get your validation through other people and by external means, God, if you piss them off or they don't like you, all of a sudden you're, you've got no validation. It's like, mm. who am I if I don't exist through your eyes? So uh, I, I never forget my first codependent anonymous meetings in that, there were still people who were really please appease and you know can I make you a cup of tea and what can I do from you and can I help you and then there were others that wouldn't even look at you <laughs> you know let alone ever make you a cup of tea you know because we'd gone or I'd gone as well one extreme almost to the other in that please appease no I'm not going to please anybody you yeah. can all foxtrot Oscar and I, <laughs> and I think the other thing is you know the ultimate symptom for me of codependency was the feeling of being responsible for other people's feelings yeah I genuinely thought you know in in my at my worst in my in my codependency that I was single-handedly responsible for the entire world and how it felt yeah and yeah. so anything that I did would have this huge impact and it was all my fault and you know it was just absolutely the, the biggest catastrophe that could ever possibly happen yeah. and so for me the recovery from codependency and the inner child work as I said before was vital for me to be able to set boundaries because I have to know on some level, I absolutely have to know that I am not responsible for how other people perceive what I am telling them. I am not responsible for how other people respond to my needs and my wants and what is important to me. Can all I ask you, yeah. all of you, what were the first responses that you got? 
Like what, what will some of people watching this, what kind of responses can they expect from other people if that person isn't particularly healthy around their own boundaries? Is there anything that, you know, they can watch out for? The biggest yeah, thing is defensiveness. Defensiveness. Yeah. The, the need to retaliate. Yeah. The need to say that they that they're right and I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, and to defend themselves. That that was I think the biggest the biggest thing that I came across. Yeah. I agree. Um, I came across them just disappearing and then coming back as if nothing had happened. Just, wow. <laughs> just yes. Let's pretend that that conversation never happened. Um which was crazy making. That goes back to the, the gaslighting thing, you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've also I've also been told that I think I'm so effing perfect f off f you that that you know so yeah I've had that too I, I can, yeah I can mm. really resonate with that I was one family member that I didn't speak to for six months after a, a little altercation like that so mm. yeah yeah for me it was I think the biggest one for me has been um, disapproval because if if the reaction from you know, the environment would be disapproval. And then what that would bring up, um, that means that I, I'm a bad person, I'm mean. Yeah. So who? it's also about, I think, who do I become if I set a boundary? Does that mean I'm selfish and mean and evil and all of these things? Um, and I think a, a strategy that I think can help there is to, to just to say to yourself, it's okay for me to, and then whatever it is you want to do, it's okay for me to feel that this isn't okay. It's okay for me to set a boundary. Um, it's actually okay for you to put your needs first. It's okay for you to put your needs above somebody else. That's not yeah. selfish. That's selfless. That's self-love. That's self-care. Somehow we're all taught that we've got to put everybody else's needs ahead of our own. I got, I got a really nice story about that, Lou. I did equine therapy. Actually, I think equine therapy is really good for boundaries, actually. Yeah. And I was told, you know, put out your hand to the horse to show the horse your boundary. So I did that. And then I started patting the horse. And she was like, you can't pat the horse with your boundary hand. <laughs> <laughs> it was like well that's pretty telling isn't it <laughs> we haven't even started <laughs> yeah, I always remember that you can't pat the horse with your boundary hand you can't pat and protect someone else if you're setting a boundary yeah that's really good isn't it that's a lovely metaphor yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Any parting words of wisdom? And I don't know, Mel, whether we've got any questions. I've loads of comments. So um, okay. it seems to be something that's really, really resonating um, with people. So um, I think I, I read up about um, about Annabelle. There's a, there's a few people here talking about setting boundaries at, at work, actually. That seems to be quite a quite a big one um it's so tricky isn't it because our bosses whoever they are are hierarchical figures mm. you know, we put them on pedestals as hierarchical and they do have quite a lot of power because they pay us mm. <laughs> you know so it is really hard at work to try and find your voice and stand up for yourself you know and not feel that you're you've got to go along with with what they say it's it's a really difficult one but mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just I just think that it's far better to speak up and be clear and say what you need and want and practice it at work, because otherwise what tends to happen is we go into that lovely drama triangle. Mm. Mm. I think clarity is really is really sort of the tantamount of importance, actually. Yeah. In boundaries at work. Yes. Yeah. I, what, I you know, also... what you can do, what you can't do. There was also a question actually from um, from the other post in in the trauma thrivers group where we announced the live and it was actually about um, I, I made a note of it. It was early red flags in a friendship and uh, yes. friendships is something we haven't spoken so much about mm -hmm. today. But of course that could be also really pertinent to 
to boundary violations and and how do we set boundaries with our with our friends and also when when we make new friends how do we kind of recognize the signs there Hmm. I've got something to say on that. I think yeah, biggest ones. Go on, Jackie. You go. Well, I was going to say on on new friends. I think if you if you if you've been practicing boundaries, actually, you're starting a new relationship, and you're quite sort of um, certain in yourself about what you're okay and what you're not okay. So sometimes I think you know, later stages of life, it's actually easier to start sort of new um, friendships. Really, and I think then with other friendships. It's, it's really, it's about a dance, isn't it? There's always going to be give and take and it sometimes might be 90%, 10%, but it's that sort of balancing out. But like you've said before, when you get that all feeling, then that's teaching you something. And I've had friendships where I've managed to share that and that's been okay. And I've had friendships where I've shared that and that's not been okay. And it's, there's been a change in the friendship. But then it comes back to, again, the values that like you said, Melanie, about what, you know, what do you value more? Is the friendship more value than one of your particular values in this case? Can there be a bit of give and take or is it actually, it's a non-negotiable and and if that can't be heard, then that, you know, makes you really think about what that friendship actually is about. I, I would say in my experience, and I have had a very recent experience of this um, where there was a, a huge violation of boundaries in a friendship that I had and what I learned from that experience was that my fear of not causing conflict, which stopped me from setting some boundaries that I needed to set, ultimately ended in my boundaries being so severely violated um, that it, it had a very, very detrimental effect to me on me. And so my lesson from that is that mm. I... I need to speak up more and that if I don't set the boundaries in a friendship ultimately what will happen is that friendship is going to backfire on me mm. this has happened this has happened in in my life many times and I kind of I thought that I'd got to the point where I was managing it a lot better um but I think there are just certain people um that I still find it difficult to do that with um and I I, I hold my hands up to that you know I'm, I'm certainly not perfect by any means in, in setting boundaries and um, friendships are the, are the one that I struggle with the most actually. Um, but, but ultimately what it comes down to is that if I don't set them, um, the chances are that friendship is not gonna survive anyway. It's mm, really I, good point. I, I hear you. I, I also think for me, there is, um, there is an ability I have to look within people and I've always come a cropper in friendships if this isn't the case or relationships that can't do rupture and repair because lots mm. of friendships and relationships we have a little rupture or I have a different value or belief about something to you or we might even have a little argument I think Jackie said to me something at one birthday a couple oh, of yeah years ago. I did but 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 that was minuscule but I was able at the time wasn't I to say something mm. and then afterwards and we could just straight away repair it Mm. Because you could listen and I could speak. And I think red flags for me are about none of us are non-triggerable, even if we've done however much work on ourselves. I don't believe. I still think things trigger us. But the ability to be able to say that to somebody and then that person to hear you. And a red flag for me is somebody that never listens that's always speaking, that always says I, that projects some of their stuff onto you, or they say that you've thought something or done something, or that, that there's just no clarity in boundaries. Those kinds of people or, or who aren't consistent or reliable, are, I would start to back away from. Yeah. So in answer to who is a safe person and who can I have friendships with they're kind of people that can talk at an emotional depth really hear you really understand you and if they need to change or I need to change my behavior I'm open and receptive to that if yeah. I think it's going to upset you absolutely and something that just really came to me I had to write it down um 
it feels profound, which doesn't happen often, um, which is red flags are not, we need to stop seeing red flags as something we need to fix. You know, red, red flags now for me are a signal to walk away. Um, whereas before I did my recovery, my codependency recovery, it was a red flag and I was like on it. I was like, I need to fix this, right? But now I see those red flags and I would say 80% of the time I can go, this is a red flag. I need to walk away from this. This is not something for me to stay and try and fix. I think, yeah. And I think as your boundaries grow, it's not surprising that friendships that were okay, say 10 years ago or before, you know, the people you were attracted to aren't necessarily going to be the ones that you're happy to be around now. And that's so just the way it is. So true. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think also in terms of learning to set boundaries that I think, you know, I like what you said, Jackie, about it being a dance that is kind of give and take because also it depends what, you know, in a friendship, what we're going through. Someone's going yeah. through a hard time and, and there's sometimes there's a bit more give, a bit more take, you know, but there's, there's something about it being at least reciprocal or, or kind of mutual. So it's not just really lopsided and it's you're always giving or you're always taking. And, um, and I also think that there's another thing I was thinking about um, just before, um, which is that we don't just learn to set boundaries once and for all. I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing thing, really. You know, it's not like I couldn't set boundaries, but now I can. So now it's, you know, all done and dusted. It's not really like no. for anybody. No, I still struggle with time is my hardest boundary to set, I think, both with others and myself. I agree with you. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know if anybody else struggles with any of the others, but I think that's the, that's quite an interesting one to get your head round is your time boundaries. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I've moved to a paper diary so that I can't commit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I'll get back to you when I check my paper diary, yeah. which I don't carry around with me, and that does seem to, to do seem it. to work. But yeah, yeah, we're all oh. works in progress, aren't we? Definitely. I'd like to say, is there anything else, Mel, that's come through that we need to answer? Um, I think there there are lots of there are lots of comments, quite a lot of comments here, and I think we can sort of come back to some of them when we go offline as, as we did last time, Lou, and in terms of answering people's people's questions. Um, so for anybody that's put stuff in here, do keep an eye on the feed because Lou and I will come back and, um, and answer these questions. Um, yeah. And even if you're watching this later, if you just put replay and in the comment thread, it'd be interesting to see how many we get on replay. If you've got any questions or you want to ask anything of anybody in the group, just put it in the comments underneath and we'll come back to it. You never know, we Brilliant. might have a boundaries part two because it's such a wide subject, mm. it's quite hard to cover it all at, at, in one go. But yeah. for today and now, thank you, ladies, very, very much for joining me today on yeah. the Boundaries Chat. And let's see what we're going to bring next week. And I hope we might entice you back. Um, <laughs> it was lovely. Another session. But thanks very much. And we'll just say goodbye, everybody, on Facebook at the moment. We'll see you next week. And thanks for joining us. And I hope today was useful. All right, big hugs. Thank Lots you, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.